Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here this morning for the Congregation at Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's Wednesday, June 14th, 2023, and it is uh, the commemoration of Elisha, the prophet. Uh, We're also going to catechize through Matthew. We're in Matthew 6 today. Um, Let's see, what else? I suppose... If you're a secularist, you could uh, celebrate Flag Day as well if you want. <laughs> By the way, if you're watching or listening later in the day, even in the evening, uh, greetings to you as well. It's available uh, on replay throughout the day. Uh, you can call in if you prefer, if you're away from a computer or internet. Uh, of course, you can listen in podcast players if that's your preferred methodology. It tends to be mine because I uh, remove gaps and silences. I boost the level a little bit. and. Uh, I also have it play a little bit faster than real time. So that's my preference. Maybe just auditory. Uh, of course, watching the video is helpful because you can see up on the screen what we're praying. If you weren't here on Sunday, then you don't have to run off the uh, the half sheet. Uh, hopefully you just took yours home on Sunday and then you can follow along with that. All right. So with all of that introduction, let's begin. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Prayer of Psalm for the week, Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider me, or consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love, in my, or my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, our memory verse for the week, we say together, Abraham believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Genesis 15, verse 6. The sacrament of holy baptism, how can water do such great things? Certainly not just water, but the word of God in and with the water does these things, along with the faith which trusts this word of God in the water. For without God's word, the water is plain water and no baptism. But with the word of God, it is a baptism that is a life-giving water, rich in grace, and a washing of the new birth in the Holy Spirit, as St. Paul says in Titus chapter 3. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. All right. The first reading today, we're going to flip the two readings around. 
I've been trying it the other way. I don't really uh, think it worked as well. So I like having the second reading first. Here we go. Isaiah 13. Yesterday was Isaiah 11. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel with both wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he will destroy its sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened in its going forth, and the moon will not cause its light to shine. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a mortal more more rare than fine gold, a man with more that excuse me, a man more than the golden wedge of Ophir. Therefore I will shake the heavens, and the earth will move out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts in the day of his fierce anger. One of the uh, challenging aspects of Sunday's gospel text, I think, is that as Jesus confesses or gives and teaches throughout all of Scripture, there is a final judgment. Our our instinct, of course, is that there be second chances. Right? But we talked about the word that is used to describe God um, as being long-suffering on Sunday in the in the sermon, um, but also that he sets aside his anger, right? Two different kinds of patience. Right? But, but ultimately, there is still an end to that, and that comes in that last judgment, which he describes here, right? Shaking the heavens, the earth moving out of her place, the wrath of the Lord of hosts, and the day of fierce anger coming upon, right? Um, but also, that judgment has already been meted out at the cross. So you see the stars of the heaven and their constellations not giving their light, the sun being darkened, and the moon not causing its light to shine. Of course, that happened on the, that Good Friday afternoon. So the day of the, that the Lord comes, that judgment day, has already been meted out upon the Son of God, right? punishing the world for its evil, the wicked for its iniquity, the arrogance of the proud and the haughtiness of the terrible. All that was was received upon God's only Son on Good Friday, which then um, thereby <laughs> establishes what the judgment day will be like for us. Of course, it will repeat the pattern of, of that afternoon uh, 2,000 years ago, but, um, but the verdict has already been meted out. And so we know that on that day we will be declared not guilty, and we won't look on this day with fear and trepidation, but rather with, with joy and celebration. All right? Good. All right, so then our reading for catechesis, continuing in Matthew's Gospel, now Matthew chapter 6, uh, beginning in verse 19. Do not, excuse me, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. 
Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. All right. So we hear this every summer, of course. This is one of the appointed lectionary readings. Actually, I think it's two weeks um, put together that gets split up over the summer. But regardless, all right. Uh, now, you remember what we were talking about yesterday, or maybe you don't. If you weren't with us, that's fine. Um, we were we, we were considering the Lord's Prayer and surrounding the Lord's Prayer. Before prayer was chastity, after prayer was um, another spiritual discipline called fasting, right? Where we uh, omit or uh, withhold you know, some of our food in order to learn again that it is God alone who provides these things. Now we're talking about treasures of the earth. It comes right after fasting, right? So uh, I think you can see a connection there. Just as man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, um, so man does not live by the treasures of this world, but rather by the gifts that God provides. Because what happens to earthly treasures? What's their issue? Jesus gives three uh, significant issues, right? Uh, Moth and rust destroy. So moth eat up um, or decay it. Rust decays it or destroys it. And also thieves can break in and steal it. Right? Um, but lay up for yourselves treasures. And then in heaven, in heaven is a very descriptive um, phrase, and it's going to be used all throughout. It's been been used, and it will continue to be used all throughout this chapter. Yesterday, we had Father in heaven. Right? That's the connection then. Treasures in heaven then are treasures connected to the Father and to those things that we asked for in the Lord's Prayer. Right? To ask that it be on earth as it is in heaven with the Father, right? So that tells us what kind of treasures we're talking about here, right? Ultimately, the treasure that we store up is the one that we sing of, right? Jesus, priceless treasure, font of purest pleasure, um, truest friend to me, right? So where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where, you, where your Jesus is, there your heart will be also, right? So we have that, uh, that combination of treasure and Jesus, of course, back in Matthew 2, with the visit of the Magi would be a good example of that. Of course, um, verses 12 and 14, which we had yesterday, help us understand this treasure too, right? With that whole conversation about forgiveness and, and having our debts. Forgive us our debts as we forget our, forgive our debtors, right? So again, in heaven, debts before the Father. We're talking about forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. Of course, the heart too is mentioned. There your heart will be also. Uh, maybe some background on on hearts from Matthew. I think we usually misunderstand that the heart in the Bible as being the seat of emotion. That's not um, how it's usually presented. All right. Um, trying to figure out where to uh, jump in in here. I was looking at Matthew 15. I'll read the introduction and we'll try to find some sections here. Uh, the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Why do you transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? Jesus answered. For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father and mother, uh, Whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift 
to God, then he need not honor his father and mother. Ah, here we go. Hypocrites, did well did Isaiah prophesy about you, right? And this would be um, Isaiah 29, I think. Yeah. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Right. Um, then later he'll say, "It's uh, are you still not without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth and goes into the stomach it is eliminated, but these things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, and blasphemies. These are the things that de- which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. All right, maybe also Matthew 18. Yeah, again, with forgiveness, uh, with the wicked servant, right? We've talked about this a lot in this context. So my heavenly Father will do to each of you, uh, to do to you, if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. All right. So we have two things going on here. Jesus says elsewhere that from the heart comes sin. Right. The heart is the place from which sin comes forth. But hearts are now called, actually cleansed, created new. Psalm fifty-one, um, to hold fast to the treasure of Christ, in whom we have forgiveness of sins. Right? So everything in in the Christian's life flows forth from a change of heart, right? A heart now that's fixed in Christ for forgiveness, not a heart that dwells on um, sin or the things of the flesh. All right, so pretty important there. Where your treasure is, there your heart will follow or be also. All right, then the lamp and the body. What what does a lamp do? Of course, gives light. Um, and so then, which sense is connected with the lamp? That would be the eye, right? So the lamp is the body of the eye. Um, and we have the gift of sight. The lamp of the body is the eye is actually uh, the correct translation there, verse 22, literally. Um, we begin with the lamp. And of course, you can think back to the psalm, Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, right? Um, so you begin there with the lamp. The lamp must shine, the light must shine into the darkness. That is, God's word must illuminate um, the darkness, the light of Christ then must be revealed if you're going to see anything for what it is. Uh-huh. Right. So what, what does your eye need to see what is good and, and what is pure, to recognize it? That would be the scriptures. right? So the scriptures are, I think, um, hmm, what did Calvin say? John Calvin said something like, the, the, the um, and I've used this for the catechism, uh, that the scriptures are, are the lens by which we see the world, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, Jesus talks about um, your whole body being full of light. In other words, as as you see Christ, um, as the scriptures illuminate him, then that changes your whole body, so that your whole body, um, you understand all things in him and through him. Here you might think of Matthew uh, 17. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came from the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him, right, at the transfiguration. Right? So an eye is then bad, um, or evil, if you prefer, when it does not see things at, through Christ, but actually in, in unbelief, you know, through reason or strength or through um, the lies and deceits of this world. That would be the way. And of course, then the darkness, and darkness is what comes as a result, or you remain in the dark. Of course, the realm of darkness is the realm of the deceiver, of Satan. And uh, there's lots of that. We have that in the temptation, Matthew 4, 
uh, and we'll see it all through the scriptures. Now is the hour of darkness, Jesus will say. Okay, all right. So therefore, um, the light that is in you is darkness. How great is that darkness? Then no one can serve two masters. I, I almost quoted this on Sunday, but I decided uh, since we'll hear it later in the summer to just leave it out. But certainly, we were talking about with the rich man and the god Mammon, right? Who are these two masters, God and Mammon? Mammon is um, uh, an Aramaic word that we use to refer to possessions uh, or the created things when they are set in opposition to the Creator, right? So the worship of stuff rather than the worship of God. We give that worship uh, and its God a name, which just as a borrowed word called Mammon. Um, no one can serve two masters. Uh, that's one way to translate it. You could just it's curious, so it could be no one can serve two lords ah so we can have only one lord and that's christ mammon cannot be our lord Mm -hmm. all right so then um jesus has the famous uh, lilies and the and the flowers passage right the lilies and the birds i should say which again we have on a sunday coming up don't worry about your life right um by the way that's suke in greek which can be also translated as soul that would understand then if it's soul then talking about eating and drinking, we might be thinking of what's the food that Jesus gives for the soul, if you like, for the whole person. That would be his body and blood in the Lord's Supper. Hmm. And then what does the body wear? Again, think of this in terms of the church. What clothing does Christ put upon us? But the wedding clothes given to us in our baptism, right? Um, now birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, but gather into barns. Uh, Unfortunately, when we break the sermon up into parts like this, we forget um, maybe things that came before in the sermon. Listen to what he said in back in Matthew 5, verse 45, that you may be sons of the Father in heaven, for he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust, right? Or as Luther says in the, in the catechism, right? God certainly gives daily bread to all um, even to all evil, even to evil people, right? Certainly, right? So he takes care of the birds without them asking, um, simply because he made them, right? Just like he does with the good and the evil, right? But then he says, are you not of uh, more value, that is, a higher quality than they, right? Because you, unlike the birds, are made in God's image, right? And now he has redeemed you and made his his own um, by Jesus' suffering and death. So are you not of more value then, right? Did he die for the birds? No, he died for you. All right. So then he says, don't worry. Um, I can't help but think of uh, Bobby McFerrin on that one, right? Uh, what is worrying, though? This worry is not just simple anxiety, but it's actually anxiety over, um, actually, doubt of God's word, right? A lack of faith, living as if there were no God, is then t- that's what worry is a um, symptom of, right? Or even anxiety, that God's not going to keep his promises. Hmm right? Um, now faith, we'll see this in verse 30, right? How much will he clothe you, O you of little faith? So we know that that's what he's talking about. And faith puts aside anxiety, right? Because it's trust and confesses that which we have been taught to pray. That is, our Father gives us our daily bread. So what are we worried about, right? And not only daily bread, but everything needed for body, life, and faith for, for eternal salvation. All right. Um, then Jesus does this interesting thing, right? He compares the lilies to Solomon, right? Now, this is a really important allusion. It connects well into Matthew, and uh, we had 
Remember the way the genealogy began back in chapter one? Son of Abraham, son of David, right? So Jesus is the son of David who's actually greater than Solomon, who actually entrusts himself to his father's care, right? Is not worried about these things. Mm -hmm. All right, then the grass, right? And the quality of the grass that's pointed out here is that tomorrow it is and tomorrow it isn't, right? And it's thrown into the oven. Um, How is the flesh of all men like grass? Here you might think of uh, Psalm 90, right? Dust we are, and to dust we shall return. Isn't that how it goes? Let me pull it up here. Uh, you turn man to destruction and say, Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. You carry them away like the flood, they are like asleep. In the morning they are like grass which grows up, and in the morning it flourishes and grows up, and in the evening it is cut down and withers, for we have been consumed by your anger, etc. Right? So not a new illusion. This is the same that that uh, um, is in Psalm 90, which is uh, attributed to Moses, actually. Interesting. That's maybe a connection, too. What does Jesus mean, then, when he says, O you of little faith? Is he saying that there's like a quality of faith, either more or less? Is that what he's getting after? Or is he rather perhaps alluding to like faith of a child. That would be my suggestion. He's talking about um, that they should have faith and not be overly concerned with ordinary things and daily living. By the way, this is the thing, you know, the example of unfaith in children. <laughs> it's most evident. Well, are we going to have breakfast? What are we going to have for breakfast? What's for breakfast? This was when I left this morning. When are we going to get to breakfast? Like, what are you worried about? Has there ever been a day where mom has not fed you? Oh, well. So it goes. Right. Verse 32 for after all these things the Gentiles seek. Of course, Gentiles here is a catchword, not just for foreigners, but in particular, unbelievers. Those are outside of faith, right? Again, those God takes care of even without their asking, right? What is the greatest mark that we will always have what we need for body and soul, right? The kingdom of God and his righteousness, namely the suffering and death of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, right? That is the greatest mark that God has, provides for us. This is, again, why even when we ask for relatively ordinary or mundane things, um, healing or food or clothing or shelter or rain, even like we did on Sunday, we gave thanks. Hey, he gave us more rain. Thanks be to God for that. Um, Even when we ask for those things, we say through Jesus Christ, our Lord, meaning through the suffering and death of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. It's on behalf of that that we can pray uh, in faith, right? And that kingdom and righteousness, of course, is received in his word and sacrament. By the way, this has been my universal experience, is that those who absent themselves from hearing God's word and receiving um, the gifts that he gives, that his word is is attached to, um, those who absent themselves from that word are the ones who despair the most of life and um, of God's providence. So hearing God's word, even this word or or even another word, uh, receiving the bread from heaven, then um, faith follows. Uh, faith that even sees that God will provide the ordinary things of life. Right? And of course, don't worry about tomorrow. And the ultimate tomorrow, like we talked about from the Isaiah reading, of course, is when Christ comes again. Right? Don't need to worry about that because, as I said, the victory has already been won. Christ has already suffered um, the full wrath of God for our sins and uh, rose for our justification. All that's already accomplished right? and has already been given to us in our baptism and is continually showered upon us in his word um, in the Lord's Supper. So what do we need to worry about tomorrow for? Hmm. How does each day have enough trouble or evil of its own? 
it's because we remain in the world. So until that tomorrow comes, that ultimate tomorrow, right? We have more than enough things uh, to, to be concerned about and to pray for help and for relief and for rescue from. Okay, good. So once more, Jesus speaks of faith. It is the word of God um, that which supplies the light or for faith. Think Psalm 119 again. The word gives us Christ, the light that we may see in the darkness and not be cast into eternal darkness. Christ drives out the darkness within our bodies. It is to those who see by this light that Jesus offers his supper, that their whole body might be filled with his light and so share in the heaven where there is no sun, but the lamb is the light. Eyes which have not been enlightened through God's word are evil. Jesus' body hangs in the midst of darkness that we he might become one with us. Faith thrives on the upon the treasure of the righteousness of Christ bestowed upon us in the forgiveness of sins. Faith treasures the goodness of Christ by which our sinful hearts have been cleansed. The greatest treasure is that given to us by our Father in heaven when he declares us righteous on account of Christ. Our Creator has marked us with his love by clothing us in the righteousness of Christ at our baptism. Likewise, he provides us with the solid food of the body and blood of Christ for us Christians to eat and to drink. These marks stand as the sign of his love and the guarantee that he will always provide what is best for body and soul. Faith does not look to the amount of food, drink, or clothing to determine if God loves. Faith sees that the Father provides for all creation, but that his Son became one with us alone. Faith knows that each day in this world brings more evil, but that Christ has overcome all through his suffering, death, and resurrection. Okay, let's sing our hymn for the week. To God the Holy Spirit, let us pray.
Okay. As I said, when we began, we have uh, a commemoration this day. It's the prophet, holy prophet Elisha. Elisha, whose name means, my God is salvation, was a prophet sent to minister in the northern kingdom around years 849 to 786 BC. He came from the small tribe of Issachar. When the prophet Elijah feared that his years of ministry among the northern tribes had been useless, God told him not to despair. The Lord retained a remnant even among the idolatrous northern tribes numbering 7,000. Additionally, God still had tasks for Elijah to fulfill. Among those was this, Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel Mahola, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. 1 Kings 19 verse 16. Elijah, strengthened by the Lord's promises, happened upon Elisha, who was plowing in the field. Elijah threw over him his cloak. Elisha understood that he was being summoned to follow the great prophet. He bid his family farewell, sacrificed the oxen, and gave them to the people, and thus turned back on farming to turned his back on farming to become a disciple of Elijah. When the Lord was preparing to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, 2 Kings 2, Elijah repeatedly asked his servant Elisha to stay behind. Elisha refused to be separated from his master. The great power of God at work in Elijah was revealed once again when he rolled up when his rolled up cloak parted the Jordan and two the two crossed on dry ground. Before his departure, Elijah asked if there was anything he could do for Elisha. Elisha boldly asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Elijah then or said this would be granted if Elisha saw him when he was taken. Chariots and horses of fire separated the two, and Elijah was carried to heaven. His cloak or mantle fell to the earth. Elisha took it up and struck the Jordan, asking, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And the waters also parted for him. People immediately recognized that the same spirit that had worked so many miracles through Elijah was now resting upon his disciple. On account of Elisha's life and ministry, or the account of Elisha's life and ministry, continued to overflow and abound with the miraculous. In this, he portended the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. In answer to Elisha's prayer, God raised the dead, made iron to float, showing that grace is more powerful than the laws of nature, and healed the leper Naaman in the waters of the Jordan. Elisha saw into the unseen world with clarity and knew himself to be surrounded by angels of the Lord, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Even after he died, the spirit so filled his remains that a dead man was restored to life when, he, when his corpse merely touched the prophet's bones. Luther loved to point out that this great prophet prophesied when a musician was brought to him and music filled his ears. Nice. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, through the prophet Elisha, you continued the prophetic pattern of teaching your people the true faith and demonstrating through miracles your presence in creation to heal it of its brokenness. Grant that your church may see in your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, the final end times prophet, whose teaching and miracles continue in your church through the healing medicine of the gospel and sacraments. All this we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Prayer collect for the week. O God, the strength of all who trust in you, mercifully accept our prayers, and because through the weakness of our mortal nature we can do no good thing, grant us your grace to keep your commandments that we may please you in both will and deed. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for marriage and family, that husbands and wives, parents and children live in ordered harmony according to the word of God. For parents who must rear their children alone, 
For our communities and neighborhoods, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray today and Thanksgiving uh, with Tyler celebrating his birthday, with uh, Ron and Joan celebrating their anniversary, with the households of our church this week with uh, Christine, Alex, Ron, Kara, Dick and Corey, and Wendy. Pray for our catechumens. We pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Dale and Pam, Joe, Kelsey, Marion, Naomi, Christopher, Marcy, Brad, Gus and Eileen, Ron, Doug, Bev, Pat, Wendy, Wendell, I should say, and Tarlene. Pray for our homebound, uh, Marcy, Dan, Paul, Dolores, Merlin, and Pauline. And pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially that of Sharon Richardson Community Hospice. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. And of course, we continue to keep um, the family of David Gady in our prayers too. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. That's our congregation prayer for today, Wednesday, June 14th, 2023. Happy St. Elisha Day. Um, Today, we're also going to recognize another saint. that We'll we'll do that this evening. St. Barnabas. Uh, His feast day actually fell on this last Sunday, but I chose to transfer it here to uh, Wednesday. So we'll hear of St. Barnabas this evening and um, the gift of the Office of the Ministry to us and um, all the blessings that are bestowed upon us in his church. All right, so hope to see you this evening, 6.30 p.m., 6.30 p.m., if, I don't know, did I say 7? 6.30, all right, midweek divine service. Hope to see you then. God be with you all. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.